So if we're able to wrap a cause and support people in need, that definitely, in our view, elevates our brand and our company and our purpose. Welcome to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods, the nation's first podcast devoted to the business and lifestyle of the hospitality industry. Now, here's your host, Wilco Foods CEO, Stephen Toberoff. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Profitable Table, fed by Wilco Foods. I am your host, Stephen Toberoff, and today our conversation is going to be so important because my guest is intimately involved with so many aspects of what's going on in the food service business and really in business in general right now. There's a lot going on that's impacting the hospitality industry on many levels. And so I'm really uh, excited to speak with my guest, who is Dan Grinberg, the founder and president of Alara Brands. Dan, thanks a lot for taking the time to come and, uh, well, call in and speak with me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Stephen, and thanks for the opportunity. So, Dan, if you wouldn't mind, our involvement with the Lara Brands is through purchasing the food service and food handling gloves. But if you wouldn't mind, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and about Lara Brands and how you got involved and founded the company? I would be delighted to. We are a producer of single-use gloves and other types of products that are primarily used for food safety, worker safety and to keep foods fresh when they're not being produced. We do portion bags, Ziploc-type bags, and the sort. Our company was founded in 2010. My background in the industry goes back more than 30 years when I joined a family business called Island Poly, which was a supplier in the metro market of similar disposable uh, products to various industries. I joined the company in 1990, and in 91, New York State passed a law banning barehand food contact. And we quickly developed a brand of gloves targeted towards the restaurant industry that now would be required to use them. That brand was called Food Handler, and it really changed the direction of the company. We had been more focused on healthcare and the industrial market. So moving into food service was new. The timing was fortuitous because the nation started adopting similar no bare hand contact regulations to address food safety needs around the country. And in 94, 1994, there was a outbreak of E. coli on the West Coast at a jack-in-the-box. And that really was a big wake-up call for the restaurant trade in general regarding food safety. Unfortunately, there were children that passed away from the event, and our brand was already being established at that point. And the E. coli outbreak really became a catapulting event for the industry regarding safety and for the company and our brand. The company was started in 1969 by my father, who immigrated from Argentina in 1962. So seven years later, the American dream, he started his own business. So I was very young at that time and I grew up in the industry. So even though I count my official start in 1990 as a kid, I drove around with my father and made sales calls and learned the business from the ground up. 
So fast forward, having started this company from scratch, my father and my mother, who was in the company at the same time, had put their life's work into the business. And around 1999, were looking to retire. So we ended up selling the company at that point to a private equity investor. And I stayed on for five years, which was a really incredible experience. And the business was eventually merged into a larger glove company. And at that point, I was bought out, had a non-compete for five years, got restless and jumped back into the business and started Alara in, in 2010. So it's I hope that's not story. too long-winded. <laughs> no, no, no. And and actually there's a lot, well, well, certain parts I can relate to because I remember riding around with my father when he started his business, you know, very fond memories of that. Certainly can relate to that. And, and I'd actually discussed that with my, the prior episode with a guest, how when you grow up in a business and you're involved in it at such a young age, it, it has this lasting impact as the core fundamentals that just cannot be taught in any other context. And I think it's such a powerful advantage that you can have if if you've been fortunate enough to have that. Now, I know for us, Alara is the glove company that we use. They're the manufacturer, the distributor of our Holland and York brand. And food handling gloves pre-pandemic were ubiquitous. But now it seems for a multitude of reasons that's gone up to a whole other level. And I want to get into that. But something that I think is really important to discuss just on a macro basis and would love your thoughts because it's really impacting. And again, this is more of a macro thing, not a glove thing. But right now, thank God, as we're coming out of this and and business is really coming back very strong, there's all kinds of supply chain issues. So my question is, Dan, twofold is one, to what extent, if any, are you guys being impacted by that? And two, how are you navigating that and suggesting that end users or vendors navigate that problem with you? Yeah, this past year has been an incredible challenge for Ilara. Last year, 2020, when the pandemic first struck, obviously, the need for personal protective equipment, PPE, and especially disposable gloves, the demand just skyrocketed. And not just here in the U.S., but COVID-19 is a, a global situation. So immediately, there was more need and demand for gloves than manufacturers were able to produce. And that resulted in terrible shortages of, of products. And related to that was sky-high prices. So we had to, and we're still grappling on some levels with a reduction in glove availability. Our products are contract manufactured primarily in Asia for us. So we've had to get very creative and resourceful that when certain gloves were in short supply, we had to develop and procure other types of products that would stand in for the ones that would normally be used. So one example is a product called nitrile gloves, which is a synthetic rubber, very strong, very durable. That in essence was the world's go-to glove for healthcare, for addressing the pandemic. So production went, and and rightly so, uh, to deal with the healthcare crisis, but that left industries such as food service and other industrial markets very short on nitrile glove supplies. So we quickly 
pivoted and developed some other products from different materials such as uh, vinyl and some other synthetic materials to try and offset the lack of supply in nitrile gloves. Vinyl gloves, which are pretty ubiquitous in food service, also came under short supply. Most of those gloves come out of China, and China was the first country to be hit with the coronavirus and shut down. So we, again, had to pivot and develop some alternative products to vinyl, which were scarce and very high in price. And we developed a product that's known as a hybrid glove, which is a it's a plastic-based glove that mimics vinyl in a lot of ways, but it's a lot more cost-effective these days. Let me ask you this, Dan, not to interrupt, sure. but I'm just curious. So obviously at the beginning, the issue with supply, if you will, was there was just enormous demand from a multitude of sources, as, as you articulated. Now across the spectrum, not just in the glove space, but in other spaces, there are other reasons for supply chain issues, whether it's lack of shipping containers. Is it still demand that is creating any supply chain issues to the extent they exist? Is it from shipping? What are you seeing in your end? Because as I said, this is across the spectrum in a lot of different products. I think it would be helpful for our listeners to sort of get your insight into what the cause is now. Is it still demand? Is it supply? To what extent are there are there issues from the supply chain standpoint? Yeah, yeah. if you look at the overall supply chain from factory to fork, especially with goods that are manufactured overseas, there is an imbalance in shipping. There's more demand and product coming in from Asia into the U.S. than there is from the U.S. back to Asia. So what that is doing is creating a huge demand for shipping containers, which are the big metal boxes that goods go into, which are put on vessels that come here. There aren't enough of those shipping containers in Asia. So it's creating short supplies of shipments. Container costs are going through the roof, and that's an important component of the cost of goods when they come in here. And by way of example, pre-pandemic, a container shipment, a 40-foot container, might cost $3,000 to bring goods from China to New York. Now we're seeing those costs skyrocket to $13,000 per container because of those shortages. And there's also delays shipping out of Asia because of the situation. And then when products get here, the ports are congested. There's a a lot of goods coming in. I guess that's a good thing. It means that buyers are are seeing the economy pick up, or at least they're betting on it. (laughs) So there are more goods coming in, but it's causing congestion at at the ports. So it takes longer to get those containers to the warehouses and off to customers, such as Wilco Foods. And then trucking domestically here is another challenge. There's a shortage of truckers and shipments are taking longer and they're getting more expensive. So from production to importing to transporting goods from the ports to the warehouses all the way to the restaurant, there are a lot of challenges that we're grappling with today. I think that's such a great point. And for those out there who own restaurants or or businesses in the hospitality space or, or any other business, I think it's important to sort of strategize around this issue. I would suspect this issue, we're anticipating this to be around for a while. I don't think this is something that's going to go away in a week or two. Would you agree with that? No, this is long-term. As a company, we're looking at 2022, realistically, before things start to even out. 
I think that makes a lot of sense. I would say the same here. You know, it's interesting when people were thinking about the hospitality space coming back, if you listen to analysis from the nationwide chains or or other companies that were nationwide players in the space, I think the general consensus was that 2021 was going to be a rebuilding year and that things would really start to normalize in 2022. But I think economic activity, and I think particularly in the hospitality space, has come back to a far greater degree of intensity than people anticipated this early on. And I think it's exacerbating some of those issues. Yeah, there's clearly a lot of pent-up demand. From what I read in the in the trade press and what I experienced myself and my family and my friends, it's been a long year plus of being extra cautious and staying home. And we're feeling optimistic and the vaccines are rolling out and I'm raring to get out there. And I know from friends and family, they're moving around now, doing a little bit of traveling, going out to eat. So I think that really bodes well for our industry. Now, something about your company that I have so much respect for and would like to get into a little bit deeper is the great thing about the industry you're in is, as you had said from your introduction, food handling gloves are essentially a nationwide requirement now in the hospitality space, never mind other spaces. So it's not as if this is a discretionary purchase. It, it may be discretionary whether they buy it from Woolco or Alara, but the item itself isn't. Yet you guys have tied your brand into a phenomenal mission where when people purchase, I believe is it a case or a box, a meal is donated to feed someone struggling with hunger. Could you tell me a little bit about that program and what made you think to embed that within your company? Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up. That's something that's just really important to our company and to our brand, to me personally, to my family. When I had an opportunity to start Elara as a new company, it was a clean sheet of paper, and I had been involved and on the board of Island Harvest, which is a large food bank that's part of the Feeding America network that services Nassau and Suffolk County. And I was always very humbled by the fact that in this affluent area that we live in, there's a tremendous issue around us with many people struggling with hunger and school children seniors, veterans, our neighbors who may have lost a job that we're not even aware of may be having issues. So the the cause has always been near and dear to me. And as I was formulating the, the, the business model, I was really interested in this concept called social enterprise, which is, it's an evolving concept and there are many definitions for it. For us, it's a for-profit business with a purpose beyond profit. So for us, hunger relief is a natural because our products are are used to prepare and serve food. So I was looking for a way to embed this, and I was really inspired by companies like Tom Shoes, Warby Parker, and other businesses that had a giving model. So with Tom's, it's a consumer brand, but for every pair of shoes a consumer buys, they donate a certain type of shoe to children in need of footwear. Warby Parker, through purchases, helps fund eyesight clinics in different parts of the world for people that wouldn't normally have access to that. And that's life-changing. So we came up with a concept called One Case, One Meal. 
And every time a customer purchases an Alara product or with Woolco Holland in York, we donate a meal to a local food bank. That's part of the Feeding America network. So to date, since our founding, we've surpassed 4 million meals donated as a company. We are in what we call the drive for five. So we're targeting 5 million meals now. What's been particularly moving to us is both sides of our business model, Steve, have come together in a really profound way because of COVID-19. So first, it's the need for gloves and personal protective equipment to address health and safety. Unfortunately, COVID-19 triggered tremendous job loss and major increase in the need for food assistance. So, you know, to have both sides of the business model coalesce like that has been pretty incredible. And to us, that's the nature of being in a social enterprise is that we can do well and do good at the same time. Yeah, it's it's very impressive. And you guys send us that uh, lovely plaque every year that acknowledges however many cases we sold. And I think you make a great point because one of the stories that I really feel has not gotten enough attention throughout this whole thing is with all the challenges that occurred this past year, there was such a disproportionate impact upon people who are at the margins or people Mm -hmm. who were living paycheck to paycheck. And in our own way, we did everything that we could. And there were many local restaurants that we worked with and there's too many to name. I don't want to leave anybody out. But the bottom line is, is this was something that was, I think, really underreported and something that we need to really think about. Because at the end of the day, there were so many ancillary consequences to what we did, devastating consequences and ancillary. I hope it does raise an awareness. And I think it is where people really start to understand that if you're in business, whatever capacity you're in, if you can leverage whatever you're doing to have a positive impact on the community around you, it makes your business that much more, I was going to say the word and I will say it, legitimate. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, what is it really all about, right? If it's all about self-gratification and accumulation, I don't think that's really sustainable. I think when you have an impact outside yourself, it infuses your whole organization with a purpose that everybody feels good about themselves, what they're doing, because they know they're part of something bigger. And that's such a great point from our team to our customers and into the community. We're really striving to create a brand and a concept that is bigger than disposable gloves. And let's face it, there's a a very strong commodity aspect to the business that we're in. So if we're able to wrap a cause and, you know, and support people in need, that definitely, in our view, elevates our brand and our company and our purpose. Not everyone is going to want to do business with us, and that's okay. But so many customers like Wolco that do really understand what we're trying to accomplish and and embrace it. And businesses do have that opportunity. You know, we're out there, we're in the communities, we have contacts and connections. And if we could inspire one person to embrace a cause, we're doing something special. I, I completely agree with you. And you know, I've I've had this conversation with a lot of different people 
whether they're established restaurants. I mean, one of the most common themes that I heard when speaking to customers and guests on the podcast is even in the throes of the pandemic, when the hospitality industry was really getting hit hard. It was an industry that was constantly reaching out, whether it was to, you know, first uh, responders and, and, and providing that, whether it was reaching out to the community. And I, I think even if you're somebody who doesn't see, and it's, it's sad if you are, and I don't say this in a judgmental sense, because at the end of the day, right, we want to we want to have an impact. We want to look back and have something we're proud of. But what you just said, which is so important, it's very important to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, you, me, everybody who's in business. And I just think if you can differentiate yourself while at the same time, the Rebbe, a famous thinker once said, one deed is worth mm-hmm. a thousand sighs, right? Yes, a great man yes. said that. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you if you take action all to the good, you know, whatever your motivation is, you know, even if you're doing it for something as how should we put it, prosaic is, okay, I just want to, you know, differentiate my brand. As long as you're having that positive impact, that's ultimately what matters. And I, I really commend you because like I said, people need food handling gloves and you guys have a great product. So it's not something that you need to do to like capture market share or introduce people to this new concept. Everybody knows what it is. And um, correct, correct. You know, that's very cool. Now, one of the questions that I get from our customers a lot, and if you could get into, you know, I know that you could probably talk on this for hours. So in the most targeted but impactful way that you could, what would you suggest people in the hospitality space look at in terms of utilizing products for their business? Because as you said, there was a moment in time where the price of these gloves was through the roof, the nitrile. Customers were coming to our sales team asking for alternatives. So if you could just sort of target a few comments to the food service industry with some suggestions on how they approach the utilization of this necessity, I think it would be very much appreciated. Yeah. On the one hand, disposable gloves seem very simple. They're these interesting looking things that have five fingers. And at the same time, there are different materials that could be used for different lengths of time that offer different levels of durability. So uh, let me do my best to try to summarize. And, and, no, wait, wait, and let me even make it easier for you. Let's say you're a restaurant and your sales have picked up beyond your wildest dreams and you're trying to manage your cash flow and you want to have the best gloves, but you also want to do it in the most affordable way and the way where you feel like your supply is not going to be disrupted. How would you solve that problem for one type of customer? Well, the first thing I would do is make sure that I'm working with a very good distributor, such as Woolco. And I mean that. The supply chain that we just talked about is a big challenge. So first and foremost, you need gloves to be able to open up your doors. So if you work with a reliable supplier that's navigating all these challenges, such as Woolco, that's half the battle. As far as costs and cash flow, if you're changing gloves frequently, because you're a deli or a sandwich shop, you could use something that's in the in the poly or polyethylene family. So those could be the typical clear plastic gloves that are easy to slip on and take off. There are also gloves called hybrid gloves that are stretchy polyethylene gloves. Alara has a brand called Digifit. So they're much more cost-effective for the quicker on and off. May sound a little counterintuitive, but using a more expensive glove like a latex or a glove that we call VersaFit, which is a blend of vinyl and nitrile. So these are these are more 
durable products. They're going to cost more, but you're going to use them for longer periods of time. They're going to stand up better to heat around a grill. So they actually become more cost effective because you're not swapping them out as much. So, you know, a lot of it depends on on the application and the length of time and frequency that that you're going to change your gloves. I mean, one thing, I, I just saw an email go out from our purchasing team, and I don't know if my guys are doing it right or if I misread it, but I know that in the throes of this, we did have to put, a, I believe it was a two-case max on people because people would have just bought out the whole thing. We've now gotten rid of any any limitations. So I'm, I'm hopeful that's indicative of things opening up or maybe we did a good buy. I don't know. But I think you make a good point in terms of the utilization is going to determine what it is. But believe me, these restaurants, it's like you said, Dan, it's like on the one hand, everybody is super excited and extraordinarily happy to be back at it. And I think sales and pent up demand are manifesting themselves to a degree that I I didn't anticipate this early on, right? But, you know, it brings with it challenges. And and, and a lot of these challenges are, are throughout this the spectrum. So I think that the analysis you gave will help people because people want to make the most of their capital. They want to give their customers the best experience. And what they really want to do, I mean, I, I could tell you whether it's cooking oil, poultry products, Coca-Cola is even having difficulty with uh, procuring enough aluminum. I mean, this thing is across the spectrum. So I think from the restaurant side, it goes all along the, the chain, if you will. Nobody wants a supply chain issue within their own facility because, like you said, these are essential to run and open the business. Yeah, no question. And, yes, supply is definitely improving. It's not back to pre-pandemic levels, but there's definitely more product availability. And just one other important point is we're definitely in an environment where so many products are increasing in cost, food packaging, for example. There's definitely a desire to find areas where you can cut costs. The thing to keep in mind with gloves is it's touching the food that you're serving to customers. It's providing a barrier against disease transmission. And some gloves that aren't being used in the right application could actually tear and enter the food. So it's really important to balance cost with quality and also selecting the, the right glove for the application. So, you know, the old saying, you don't want to be penny wise and, and pound foolish. You know, when it comes to safety and the reputation of your restaurant, you just want to be really careful about that. I completely agree with you. And you know, it's interesting for me. I've always found that the first decision should always be made around quality. You have to take a stand. You know, we, we do this within our company, whether it's within certain, if there are certain categories where we're not going to be able to stock multiple brands or multiple varieties, we've made the decision we're going to stock the highest quality item available. We'll compete on that ground. And if we win, we win. We don't. So I think your point is is so well taken. For those of you out there that are looking to open up a business or we have a lot of young entrepreneurs that listen to this that have yet to to start their business. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying, Dan, is so important. We deal with a lot of restaurants, Dan, and hotels, a lot of people. I don't know of anyone who's ever gotten into trouble over the long term by placing quality as the first consideration. I just don't see it happening, you know? Uh, it, it's it's so true and, and it's our mantra. And I like to say it allows me to sleep at night and we're not perfect. But because of our emphasis on quality, I know that our customers are being taken care of and are in good shape. And yeah, that does make for a restful night. 
Totally. So I guess what I, w- what I would ask in, in sort of to wrap this up, and I'm so glad that we had this conversation at this moment in time because it's, it's so on point with everything that's going on in the market in general. But my question for you, based upon your experience, is are there any innovations or anything that you see coming down the pike that operators may want to be on the lookout for early. Things happen very quickly and they're transformative, but you've really got your finger on the pulse in one segment of the market. Just curious what your thoughts are, if there's anything new or or any trend that you would see coming down the pike that people might want to be aware of. Yes, I'll give you two examples. One is with nitrile gloves, which are on the more durable end of the spectrum, but they actually happen to be really comfortable to wear. What we're seeing and doing is adding new technologies that allow us to make a thinner, lighter, more cost-effective glove. Now, that's all relative cost-effective to today's environment, but they're extremely comfortable to wear and they still provide excellent durability. So that's one example of of some innovations where technology can make gloves thinner, lighter, more cost-effective without really sacrificing strength and quality. Another area at the other end of the spectrum that we're seeing is because there's more glove use now in the front of the house, there are really cost-effective, quick-dispensing plastic gloves and mitts. We have one product that we call Mitzies, which the staff or even uh, guests could just slide on one, two, three. And if they're handling a utensil, giving the guest a utensil instead of putting on a more expensive glove that you would use in the kitchen, slide one of these on do the task and take it off. And and they're fractions of a penny, very inexpensive and quick dispensing. So on both ends, on more of the back of the house, cooking, grilling, there are innovations. And then because of new and increased glove use in the front of the house, there are some neat things that are coming out as well. Very cool. Dan, I really enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciated your insights. And I, I have to say, we've been doing business together a long time and we don't put our Holland and York brand on on just anything, and uh, we're proud to do it with Alara. And I think your mission extraordinarily inspiring, and really appreciate this time that we had to talk. Yeah, and, and we appreciate that you put your trust in your brand and Alara. And thank you. Awesome, Dan. Have a great day. Okay, you too, Stephen. Well, that was a fascinating interview, and I really enjoyed listening to Dan talk about the mission behind Alara and incorporating the desire to do good for the community and embed it within your business. I think this is something that's obviously been going on for a long time, and I think it's something that's going to continue with more and more businesses. And I think it's something for everybody to really give a lot of thought to, particularly as you're just starting out. Very exciting time right now, and I'm loving all of the various emails and DMs that I'm getting. You know, thank God things are really picking up and I'm getting tons of great questions. One of the reasons why I've had on guests that are more on the manufacturing or or distribution side of things, because I want to get that information out there to those restaurateurs and hoteliers and mixologists that are listening. But at the end of the day, it's all business. It's all insight. It's all information. So as always, please keep writing me uh, emails. I read them and I uh, get a lot of value from them. And I 
respond to them, so I enjoy it immensely. You can email me at steven at wolcofoods.com or you can DM me on Instagram at wolcofoods. And most importantly, everybody, have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for listening to The Profitable Table, fed by Woolco Foods. Please be sure to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And to learn more about Woolco Foods or Stephen Toberoff, please visit us at woolcofoods.net. <laughs>